enjoying this season, to enjoying the holidays uh, to its fullest, the recipe that we're going to look at today for peace on earth. And, and what got me thinking about this was, was something that I, I read uh, recently that just seemed strange to me. Uh, it was a recall. And not that recalls are strange or, or you, recalls are, are not normal. I mean, we see them all the time uh, anymore. Uh, we get recalls on just about everything. But this recall just kind of makes you scratch your head and, and go, hmm, you know, when you, when you read this. Uh, but it was the recall of a cookbook. Now, I've seen some cooks that need to be recalled. But never in my life a cookbook, right? And, 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 you know, we hear of cars being recalled. We hear of baby toys and baby seats and strollers being recalled a lot. Uh, you know, we hear about a lot of things being recalled, but I've never heard of a, of a cookbook uh, being recalled. But this one particular cookbook that was recalled, there was a good reason for it because one of the recipes that was in there had left out a very important ingredient. And I'm sure... Uh, that probably in the past, our church has put out a couple of cookbooks. I'm sure probably in the past there's been some recipes in there that maybe weren't quite accurate. Uh, but we never recalled one of those cookbooks. But the reason uh, they did this one, the publishers of the book realized that if someone followed this one particular recipe uh, in the cookbook, if they followed it to a T and did exactly what they did when they put the ingredients together, it literally could blow up in their faces, right? It, it could literally explode. And, and I'm thinking, you know, somebody in the church has put their meth recipe in the cookbook. And, and you know, so that's, that's why it kind of sounds like a recipe for that anyway. But, but seriously, the danger of that one recipe not having the right ingredients in it, they recalled the, this entire uh, cookbook. And as I thought about our church, as I thought about our, our families and how we should be preparing our hearts and, and our minds and preparing ourselves for this coming uh, Christmas celebration that we're about to enter into, uh, I, I couldn't get away from this idea that God has given us a recipe, right? I mean, he's given us a recipe for life. He's given us, uh, in his word, we see there this recipe for what he calls in scripture, peace on earth. And, and we have that available to us. Some of you over the, over the years may uh, be Charlie Brown fans. I know uh, Lynette, she loves Charlie Brown. Anytime she sees on the little TV guide or, or Charlie Brown, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Halloween, any of that is coming on TV, we have to stop everything that we're doing and watch Charlie Brown for 30 minutes. And so some of you uh, may recall this clip here from Charlie Brown cartoon. Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. At this time of the year, I think we should put aside all our differences and try to be kind. Why does it have to be for just this time of the year? Can't it be all year round? What are you, some kind of fanatic or something? And, and that's funny, but it's true, right? I mean, you know, if we're really going to get serious about the true meaning of Christmas... The world would call us fanatics uh, if we did that. But here's the deal. Our, our Christmas celebration uh, should always be about what Scripture tells us. It should always be about peace on earth and goodwill 
toward men. And not just at Christmas, but like Charlie Brown said, can we just do this every year? I mean, every day of the year? Couldn't we just do, be this way all the time? And so uh, this morning, what I want to do is look at this very familiar story out of Luke chapter uh, 2 this morning. And, and I'm going to do something that I hardly ever do, and that's read it from the King James Version this morning. That's how I first heard this story, right? That's how I learned it uh, as a child was out of the, the King James Version. So I want to go back there today as we uh, prepare, begin to prepare our hearts uh, and our families for this Christmas season. Luke chapter 2 beginning at verse number six, says this, and so, it was, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This is a story that never gets old to me. I don't know about you, but every time I hear it, every time I read it, it just, it, it just gives us calls for happiness and joy and, and celebration. I, I love riding uh, the Christmas train at Branson at Silver Dollar City. I don't know how many of you have ever done that, but every time we go to Silver Dollar City, I'm like, we, we got to ride the train, right? I don't care if the line is from here to Springfield. We're riding the train because I want to hear great Grandpa tell this story, right? He reads us the, the Christmas story or tells us the Christmas story. It's a wonderful story. But think about this. I want you to think about this story and this season that we celebrate. Think about how wonderful our homes could be. Think, think about how wonderful our, our lives could be. Think about how wonderful our world could actually be if we really could and really would focus on verse 14 here where it says peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And we want to be optimistic people, don't we? I mean, even the most pessimistic people that we know, if we asked them, they would say, I would like to be an optimistic person. I mean, nobody really wants to be that negative Nancy that goes around uh, being that way. We all want to be uh, optimistic. And so we read this and we think about peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And, and we're like, you know, maybe, maybe it is possible. Maybe it is possible that we have that. Maybe we really could have hearts that are so filled with love that, that maybe we could be kind to everyone. You know, maybe, maybe we could get to a point to where we could just all get along and we could respect one another's opinions and we could be less offended when someone disagrees with us. Maybe we could get to that point. And maybe not just once a year at Christmas, but like Charlie Brown said, maybe, maybe it's something we could do every day, uh, all year long. And, and I'm sure some of you here have probably already done some Christmas shopping. Do we have any Black Friday shoppers out there? Any of you Black Friday shopping? Go ahead and admit it. 
Uh, my wife goes. She's the mean one that you run into that jerks stuff out of your hands. Yeah. Got some black shopper, <laughs> black shopper Fridays out there, black Friday shoppers. Uh, Lynette, she loves it. I mean, her and her sister, niece, and, and they take a group. They go every year. They have for years. She's a pro at it. I mean, she's got the, she's got the uh, uh, sale ads, and she's got it all lined up and organized and the mace and tasers and all that stuff that you need to, to be able to participate in that. And uh, how, many of you, how many of you bought, have, have done some Christmas shopping online? Because that's a whole lot less hectic, right? That, yeah, yeah. I, I read this morning uh, a report that came out. They said Friday, Black Friday shopping online uh, reached an all-new high. People spent $5 billion in a 24-hour period uh, shopping online uh, this past Friday. That's just phenomenal. It's mind-blowing to me. But anyway, Lynette and I were talking about this. She was wrapping Christmas presents last night. And she was like, you know, I don't, I don't know how people don't shop early. And she said, I can't imagine getting close to Christmas you know, and, and just the stress of having to, you know, get everybody's gifts and, you know, having them, have them all wrapped and, and, and having all that done. And, and she said, you know, I just like being done with it so that, you know, I can enjoy the holidays and the days that are, are leading up to Christmas. But I, I know that there are a few of you out there uh, that, that are probably a little bit more like me, and we proudly call ourselves procrastinators, right? Can't spell it, but that's what we are. And, and so, you know, we, we, it's not that I don't like to give people gifts. I love to give people gifts. I just hate to shop. <laughs> right? I, I just don't, I don't like stores. I don't, I don't like that whole deal. It just, and, and online shopping is a gift from God. I, I'm telling you, it just is. It's manna from heaven. But it, it's, you know, but here's what we do this time of year. We prepare our, our families for Christmas by doing what? By buying gifts, right? We shop, we, uh, we spend money, uh, we spend a lot of time shopping and, and, and going around trying to pick out the perfect gift. We put, hopefully, a lot of thought into buying the perfect gift for those special people that are in our lives. We think about, you know, what is it that they might want? What is it that, that maybe they need uh, this year at Christmas? What, what is it maybe that might surprise them, you know, and, and make me like, you know, that they'd be like my biggest fan if I got them this gift, you know? And so, you know, what would that be? And, and so we, we spend time thinking about it. We buy it, we wrap it, or we pay somebody else to wrap it, or some of you just stick in a bag. <laughs> And that's cool, too. But what we do, we put it in the bag, we wrap it, whatever it is that we do, and then we wait. We wait on the day. We wait on the time. We wait on that particular moment when they will open our gift, right? And we look forward to that, not only for ourselves, but, but we want to know, you know, when, when they open the box or they open the bag or they open this gift and they see the gift, what do we do? When they're opening the gift and they first open it, well, what do we do when they're doing that? We're looking at their face, aren't we? Sometimes we're taking pictures to get the reaction, but often when they're opening the gift, we're looking at their, their, their face to see if they have an expression of joy, to see if they have an expression of happiness or excitement or, or surprise. And if there's none of that... <laughs> You know, if they've opened our gift and we don't see excitement or, or, or happiness or those expressions, then we're kind of disappointed because of that, aren't we? We're kind of disappointed uh, in ourselves because the truth is, in receiving the gift, 
it's kind of like they're also receiving us. When, when they open that gift, it's almost like they're, they're opening a, a part of us. And if in some way they seem to not like it, you know, it's almost as if that they are maybe rejecting us. And that's how we feel. That's why we want to capture the moment. That's why we want to look in their faces as they open those gifts. And even while we're, we're watching the faces of others to see how they will receive our gift, think about this. Others are going to be watching us to see how we receive their gifts. Uh, one of the most funny pictures that we have of Christmas is Lynette had done a, had played a dirty, dirty, rotten trick on me one year, and I thought I was getting a shotgun. It was a big duck hunter. Uh, it was back in the day when the three-inch magnums were just coming out, and so, you know, my buddies, they were all rich and wealthy, and so they're all shooting these three-inch magnums, and I might as well have been throwing rocks standing beside them, and so I was like, man, I got to have a three-inch magnum. I just knew I was getting a three-inch, you know, shotgun for Christmas because I'm all about duck hunting and, and, and all of this, and so Lynette, knowing that, she begins to scheme and plan, and she goes to a department store somewhere, and she gets a shotgun box, and she puts some sticks of wood in it and, you know, weights it just right and, and all of this and uh, uh, puts uh, a pair of blue jeans in it or something like that. And so she puts this shotgun box under the Christmas tree. So I'm telling everybody I know I'm getting a shotgun for Christmas. There's even a box of shotgun shells under there. I can pick them up. I know what they are. They're shotgun shells. And so she takes my picture when I open that shotgun box and pulls out this pair of blue jeans. And it was the dirtiest trick she's ever played. And my face told the story of the whole thing. You know, I did not get a shotgun for Christmas that year. No, she did. In her defense, I had always, there was a, a horseshoe diamond ring that I'd always wanted. And she got it for me, and she had sacrificed greatly so that I would have that. But I didn't get a shotgun. <laughs> and you could just see it on my face. But when we open our presents, think about what people are doing. They're watching us, right? To see what our response is, is going to be when we receive their gifts, giving and receiving is a very important part of Christmas in our culture today and in our society. You may not like it, but it is what it is. And so think about it. What was God's gift that he gave to us at Christmas time? His son, okay, right? I mean, that's an easy one. I, most of us would answer real quickly, you know, he gave his, his son, his only begotten son, and you'd be right about that. Uh, others might say that he actually gave us, uh, through sending his son, that he gave us evidence of how much he loved us, right? In a tangible, physical way. He showed us how much he actually uh, loved us. And so that would be a right answer as well. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to get a, a little more specific uh, as we approach this Christmas season, prepare our hearts, prepare our families, prepare our church uh, for this Christmas season, because we actually have received several gifts that came in the form of a baby on Christmas time uh, in Bethlehem. Several gifts, several ingredients, if you will, uh, for the recipe for peace on earth. And the first thing that he gives us for our recipe for peace on earth is this, his forgiveness. His forgiveness. He gave to us through his son an opportunity to be forgiven. 
uh, of our sins. In, in Jesus Christ, God uh, gave us the opportunity to, to be forgiven, to have our sins forgiven. Listen, don't miss this. We can never have peace with others, okay? We can never have peace with others until first we are at peace with ourselves, and God knew that. And, and we can never really be at peace with ourselves until we're at peace with Him. Until we're at peace with God. And we can never be at peace with God until we have been forgiven. <laughs> and He knew that. He knew the formula for what it would take to have peace and peace on, on earth. It's all connected. There can't be peace on earth until there has been forgiveness for sin. And so I would argue that this is the main ingredient to having peace on earth and peace in your life and peace in your family. And kind of like the recipe that we talked about earlier in the cookbook that was recalled. If you leave out this important ingredient, if you leave this ingredient out or maybe try to substitute some other ingredients that the world has to offer, what's going to happen? Well, it may blow up in your face, right? It may literally explode when we try to substitute something in place of forgiveness. I, I've got a sister-in-law that I love with all my heart, and, but, but she will take a recipe and butcher it, all right? I mean, she is one of those people that it says, if you can use this, well, this would work just as well, you know? It, it says you should use, you know, four cups of flour. Well, I only have two. We'll make it work, you know? Uh, and, and so she'll do that. It's a train wreck, y'all. It's, it's never good. It's never good. Don't you tell my sister-in-law if you know who she is. Don't you tell her I said that, but it's the honest God's truth. It, it just is what it is. She cannot cook. But, but anyway, we, you know, we, often in life, we will take certain ingredients that God has given us that said, this is important, right? This has got to be a part of the recipe. And we begin to take it and we begin to, to substitute uh, things that we think might be better or things that, that might uh, work better. Instead of forgiveness, we plug other things into our lives to try to find peace. Try to find peace through a job. Try to find peace through a career path. Try to find peace through uh, a, a particular uh, type of education. We think that we might could have peace in our life if we just had the right relationship uh, with the right person. We might have peace in our life if we had a little more in our bank account at the end of the month after we paid the bills, right? We might have a little more peace uh, in, in our lives for if we've got a bigger 401k or retirement plan or whatever it may be. There are so many things that the world is handing to us to say, here, substitute this into the recipe and it'll be better. Or, or it'll be good. And I believe that's why so many people struggle living a life of peace, living a life of joy that the Bible talks about. It's because they are following either the wrong recipe or they're taking God's recipe and they're trying to insert their own ingredients to where they think they will fit to make it a little better or, or, or this will work just as well. So God says, here's the recipe, right? Here's my gift. Here's my gift to you, and it's not just the gift of a baby, but it's the offer, offer of salvation. It's the offer of forgiveness of your sins to you. And there cannot be peace on this earth without forgiveness of your sins. Right? Now, the second ingredient and gift that God gives us is this, his help. <laughs> we all need his help, right? We need his help in our lives. I think of the shepherd.
that are sitting here out there on the hillsides. They're watching their sheep uh, all night long. I don't know if you know this, but shepherds weren't the most successful people in the world. They actually were, were, were poor. They were, uh, if you look at the ladder of success, the shepherds would have been the ones on the very bottom rung and all the rest of the rungs would have grease on them, right? I mean, there was just no way they were ever going to get any higher than what they are, were. They were, they were lowly people. Uh, they, they were looked down upon in their culture and in their society. Life was hard for them, you know, and, and they didn't have much hope of it ever getting any better. But think about what happened here. One normal, just typical night while they're there watching the sheep and doing what it is that they do that they've always done. Think about what happens here. It goes from just a normal, typical night to an unbelievable, glorious night as angels appeared to these lowly shepherds here in the field and they made this announcement. What they say in verse 11? For unto you a child is born, right? They're talking to the shepherds. They're not talking to the elite people. They're saying, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. For unto you, for unto me, for unto us, for unto the shepherds, this child was born. And in that moment, I want you to think about it. Everything changed. Everything changed. God had become real to them in that moment. God had come to help them to be their Savior and to bring peace on earth, and goodwill toward men. Now, there's another set of actors in this story that would have been on the opposite end of, of that spectrum, would have been the wise men, right? And so if the shepherds were on the bottom rung of the ladder that culture saw, then the wise men would have been the ones at the top looking down, right? That's who they would have been. They, the, 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 the shepherds were the lowest of the low. The wise men were the most exalted. They were the magi. They were the kings, they were men of, they, I saw him coming that time. They were men of power. He came by out of my good eye. Somebody said, how did you not see Will coming the other day? And I'm like, he came on my bad eye. I'm blind in that eye. I can't see. I got you coming that time. But anyway, th these men, these wise men were people that were highly exalted in society and in that culture today. They were kings. They were men of power, authority, and wealth. But don't miss this. Not only did God know that the shepherds had a great need, he also knew that the wise men had a great need. And the wise men also knew that they needed help. And they had a great need as well, right? And so they saw the star and they came because they knew what they needed. They knew what they were missing. Think about it. Whether rich or poor, right? Rather they're, they're on the bottom uh, uh, of the ladder or at the top of the ladder, rich or poor, whether they're powerful or weak. Listen to me, whoever you are, whoever we are, we need his help. And God knew that. God knew that we needed his help in this life. And here's what's so awesome about that. God has promised us his help if we will receive the gift. If we will accept the gift and open it along with that, oh, by the way, comes his help. We receive his help. And here's the deal. Once that we have received his help, think about it now. Once someone has helped us, what does that make us do? Well, that makes us a little more aware of the people around us and the situations around us. And we want to help them too, right? When we understand how much, it, how much we have been helped, then we want to help. We want to help others. And, and, and so, you know, it changes our feelings toward helping others when we realize that we've been helped by God. Have, have you ever noticed this time of year people are just a little more nicer? 
I mean, they're a little more friendly. Not at Walmart. I don't know what it is with Walmart. I would avoid that because they're not. But, but in, in most of the time, I'm kidding. I'm not anti-Walmart. I shop there. But, you know, this time of year, people just get a little happier. They've got a little more joy. They've got a little pep in their, in their step, you know, a little bit more courteous. At Christmas, uh, many of us, I, re I believe the reason that is the case is because I believe that many of us recognize just how blessed we are, just how good we've got it. And we, we recognize that, we focus on it a little more, and we also focus on those around us that maybe aren't, haven't been quite as blessed as we are. Or they have some, some legitimate needs in their lives and in their, in, in their families that need to be met. And we're just, we're just a little more aware. We're a little more focused on that uh, this time of year that, than we typically are. Uh, and, and so what do we do? We dig into our pockets and we drop our change in the red kettle, right? We uh, go to church and we grab some red and green uh, shoe boxes and we fill them up with toys and ship them to somewhere all around the world so that a kid can, you know, have something on Christmas Day, something special. Uh, many of you will take a VIP kid out there this morning following service and buy them a new outfit of clothes. There will be opportunities in the days ahead to, to buy food, to buy toys, and all kinds of uh, different things for people in our community. Why, why is it that we tend to focus on that during this time of the year? Well, I believe it's because of this time of the year we are more aware of how God has helped us. We are reminded of the gift and the giver and just what it means to us. And so we're a little more aware that there are those around us who also uh, need some help. Christus, Christmas reminds us that God reached down to us regardless of where we were on that ladder. He reached down to us and he helped us. And because he has helped us, maybe we'd be a little more willing to be an extension of his help to the community that we live in today. There will be no peace on earth without God's help. And by us being extensions of that to a world that needs to see the hope and the joy that we have in our lives. And when we fully understand what God has done to come and help us, when we fully grasp that and understand that, then peace on earth and goodwill toward men just becomes who we are, right? It just becomes how we live for peace on this earth and goodwill toward all men because that's what's been given to us. That's what's been granted to us by our, our loving Father. And then one final ingredient and gift that God gave us is this. He gives us his hope for the future. He gives us his hope for the future. Think about it. What was it that kept these shepherds shepherding? <laughs> That's not, I shouldn't have said that. It wasn't in my notes, sorry. Uh, what was it that kept these shepherds going, all right? What was it that, that drove them? Well, it was this hope of a coming Messiah, wasn't it? I mean, there, God had made a promise to their people that one day there would be a Messiah that would come. He had told them through the prophecies that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, you know, there's a king that is coming. And when he comes, it's going to fix a lot of things. There's going to be able to be peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And they had this hope of a king. They had this hope of a Messiah. And they knew that when he came, there would be hope. 
And the shepherds understood that. They knew that. They recognized that. That's what kept them going. Now think about the wise men. What was it that kept the wise men going? Same thing. It was hope, right? They were looking for a star. They were looking for uh, this sign from God that would lead them to a king. And they followed the star. Why? Because they had hope in what the star might bring, right? They had hope in what the star, what might be delivered there. God brings hope to this world. He brings hope to, to us at Christmas as well. And not just at Christmas, but every single day of the year, like Charlie Brown said. It's every day of every year. And we watch the news, don't we? We, we, we get on the internet, we read the news, we watch the news and we think, you know, is it even possible? Is peace on earth even possible in the world that we live in today? And you know what? Yes, there may always be wars. There may always be rumors of wars. There may always be the poor. There may always be the hungry. Maybe we'll always have to deal with terrorists. Maybe we'll always have to deal with crime and violence uh, here on this earth. But there is one thing that should keep us going, and that is the hope that we have in the future. Uh, we have a hope, a hope that one day heaven is going to open up and God's coming back again. Huh? One more time. And the song says, this time, one more time, going to do it, right? And, and he's going to come back again. And all things will be made right in him and through him. We have that hope. We have that assurance as followers of Jesus today. And the promise will be fulfilled. Peace and goodwill for all of eternity. It'll be over and done. It'll all be peace, joy, and happiness forevermore. One of my favorite Christmas stories, and I've shared this on a Wednesday night uh, one time, so if you've heard it, just entertain me. I'm going to read it again. But it, it's a story about this seventh grade boy uh, by the name of William Spurling. And William Spurling, he, he was a big kid for his age. He was the biggest one uh, in the seventh grade. Uh, and, and honestly, he, he was mentally a little bit behind all the other kids. He, he was a little bit slower than the other kids his age, but he was a gentle giant. All the kids loved him. All the kids at school loved him. All the kids at church uh, loved him. They just wanted to be, be friends uh, with William because he was just that kind of guy. And so when it came time for the kids to do the Christmas program uh, at church, William desperately wanted to be a shepherd. He had his heart uh, set on being a shepherd, but the teacher, in looking at the script of the play uh, that they were going to do, thought that, that William would make a much better innkeeper uh, because he was the biggest. And they thought, you know, if we could just get him to act kind of mean and big old, you know, it, it'll just be the hit of the program and the play. And so they talked him in uh, to being the, men in, the mean innkeeper. And, and so in the play, uh, when Mary and Joseph came to the inn and they knocked on the door, uh, William Sperling opened the door and uh, uh, they asked him, Mary, uh, Mary Joseph said, you know, is there a place for us to stay? And, and he said as harshly as he could, I mean, he'd been practicing and, and rehearsing uh, his lines and he said, there is no place for you to stay. There is no room in the inn, you know, and everybody kind of laughed and it, it was awesome because William did such a great job and Joseph, but Joseph insisted, he said, but my wife's tired and and, and, you know, she's pregnant. She's about to have this baby. Isn't there just a, a small room somewhere where we might could stay and, and spend the night? And once again, William 
you know, he said as mean as he could possibly say, you know, you have to find a place somewhere else. There's no room in the inn, you know, and he slams the door and Joseph knocks on the door again. And he pleads for him for just one place. Is there just somewhere where they might could lay down and, and spend the night? And there was a long pause, and it was one of those pauses that's as embarrassing for the audience as it is the people on the platform, because William had forgotten his next line, right? He didn't know what he was supposed to say, didn't know what he was supposed to do. They said you could hear the teacher in the background behind him, you know, trying to give him his line, saying, say, no, be gone, no, be gone, you know? And so, you know, finally, William uh, figures out what's going on, and, and they said with just kind of a softness in his voice, he looked at Mary and Joseph, and he said, no, be gone. And said, Mary and Joseph sadly turned to walk away and leave. But as they did, suddenly William Sperling spoke again and said, wait a minute. You can stay in my room, and I'll sleep in the shed. <laughs> His teacher said that in the stunned silence that followed what William had said there, that she thought the play was ruined. You know, she could just see a train wreck happening right before her very eyes there. She said, until I later thought about the words that he had said, that seventh grade boy that everybody had grown to love, she said he actually had communicated the real truth of Christmas better than anyone ever could have. No, you can stay in my room and I'll sleep in the shed. Think about it. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for you? Amen. No. You don't have to go to the, that cross to pay for your sins. I'll do that for you. Think about it. That's exactly what Jesus did uh, for us. And, and, and because he came... And because he did that, we have a hope for the future. We do, church. We have a hope for the future. Christmas made a difference. God wrapped up a gift and he gave it to us, right? He gave us the recipe for peace on earth. He gave us exactly what we needed. The question is this morning, the question over the next few weeks as we prepare our, our hearts for the celebration uh, of our Messiah, will we receive it with joy and happiness? Will we receive this gift that God has given us uh, with excitement? Or will we treat it with indifference? Or will we treat it with rejection? Will, will we use, uh, will we receive and, and use what he's already given us, the ingredients that he's already laid out there for us? Will, will we use that or will we begin to substitute them for things that we think will work better or make us a little more happier, bring us a little more joy or a little more peace? And here's the deal. Whatever it is that you do with a gift is exactly what you do with Jesus. Whatever it is that you do with the gift is exactly what you have done with him. And if we accept this gift, then we receive him. And, and what else? We receive his forgiveness. We receive his help. We receive this hope that we talked about. But if we reject it, 
And we're also rejecting these things. And, and we're rejecting Him. And, and so as we uh, reflect on the gifts that we were given on that very first Christmas over 2,000 years ago, we're going to be talking about it a lot uh, over these next few weeks. But as we reflect on the gift that has been given to us, He's watching us to see how we open it and how we receive it. Right? So my prayer is that as we accept the gifts, as, you, as, as we all accept these gifts and we use this recipe that he's laid out for us here uh, that God has given us, my prayer is that every single one of us in our lives, in our families, in our homes, that every single one of us will have peace. Not just peace on earth, but peace in the family. Peace in our heart. And that can only come when we're at peace with ourselves and we're at peace with God. And the only way we can do that is through the forgiveness of sins. That's what this is all about. Forgiveness. Help. Hope. It's what Christmas is all about. And so I'm praying that for all of us as we enter into this Christmas season and this celebration of who our God is to us. And so... Uh, I love you guys. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for loving us enough to do exactly what you did. To send the kind of gift that you sent. To know exactly what it was that we needed. To know exactly what it was that, that, that we had to have in order to have true happiness and joy and peace in our lives. And you gave us exactly that. And I pray that as we receive the gift, as we accept the gift, that you would see nothing but joy and excitement about what you've done and what you've given for us. And I pray that it just wouldn't be in this particular time of the year, but this would be something that we would celebrate every single day because you love us every single day. You offered us forgiveness every single day, help every single day, hope every single day. And God, for that, we are so grateful and we're thankful for that you would love us enough to do that and and so as we enter into this season, this time uh, of preparing our hearts to, to, to celebrate a Savior, to celebrate the Messiah, to celebrate the King of kings and Lord of lords, I, I pray that it would be in the forefront of our minds at all times that we are an extension of what you have been to us. If we have accepted the gift, then we are to share that gift with this world that needs peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So God, show us how. Give us the courage. Give us the wisdom. I pray if there be anyone here today that has never accepted and received the gift or maybe taken the gift for granted and kind of even taken advantage of the gift, I pray that today would be a day that they would just uh, get alone with you. They would find a place and a time to make things right, to surrender their life uh, to you and, and to receive that gift with the excitement and joy and happiness. Now, that you intended us to receive it with today. God, we, we want to thank you for what you're doing today. But God, we look forward to what you're going to do in the days ahead. We have hope for the future because of you and what you've given us. We love you so much. Thank you for your amazing love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I hope you have